Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Today we're joined by Stuart Goodfellow, the partner of Small Business Big Exit and the author of Small Business Big Exit, How to Make More Money Selling Your Business Than Running It. So today we're talking about optimizing businesses for sale and hopefully a little bit about why a business owner might make more money selling rather than running a business, which, you know, personally I think is a very interesting proposition. So keep listening. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, Stuart. Welcome to the Deal Room. Uh, G'day, Joanna. How are you? Thanks very much for uh, inviting me to come along today. Looking forward to this conversation. Fabulous. Me too, Stuart. Me too. So let's kick off perhaps by um, just talking briefly about who this book is aimed at. Who should be reading it? Who's your target here? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of people in business. I mean, the majority of businesses are owned, you know, by small business owners or medium-sized business owners. And for us, what we found was there's an area of those businesses who are doing somewhere between $5 million, $20 million worth of turnover. They've been in business for a few years um, and they've got some questions and some challenges around what is it they want to do next. And the, quick, the key questions we get is, you know, what's my business worth and who's going to buy my business? And I don't know the process. I've heard a lot. I've heard it's complicated. Um, I don't know who to turn to. I don't know who to where to go, where to get that information from. So we've pulled together the the book and um, to answer some of those questions. Mm. And the the book seems also um, to be talking to the owners who, well, who've built built their business and are probably selling their business in order to retire. Is that the the, the general type of business that um, you you guys deal with and that you see in the market? Well, there's two areas. One is a transition to retirement. And the other area is someone who's actually built a business and they've reached that goal, their own level of competence, if you like, and they're looking to do to go and do something else. So it's those business owners who are proactively looking at moving on to the next phase rather than uh, a forced sort of sale through, you know, death, divorce or some sort of disability, something like that. So it's those ones who've got a they're proactive, they've got a grasp on their business, they want to go and do something else, the business is in good shape and they want to move it, move it on. Got it. Okay. All right. Good. Um, and, and then I guess still sticking on the background a bit here before we delve into the detail um, of uh, what you cover in the book, um, why why did you write the book? What drove you to it? What were you thinking about? Where What were the gaps that you were seeing? Well, my business partner and I, Sam Harris, so Sam and I, we've been working in the consulting area for a, a lot of years now. We've worked with hundreds of business owners. And a lot of them get to the point of my business is good, but what do I do next? And we used to say just, well, I don't know, go and see a broker or go and see somebody else. And what we realised was that whilst they had a great business, it wasn't set up for sale. So we had a lot of questions from our clients saying, okay, what do I need to do before I go and see the broker? What do I need to do before I go and list the thing for sale? And it's like, well, okay, so, you know, first of all, why are you selling? So that's what that's what all started. It actually started from our clients going, look, I've got a good business now. How do I, how do I move it on? And, we, and they just didn't know. They had no idea. 
Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so and so that's when you um started um, I guess providing services in this area, and what? Where did the book fit into that? Why? Why the idea of writing a book? I mean, a book is a big <laughs> undertaking, right? I've never written a full book. It seems to me that it's <laughs> it's something that would take a while to do. So, what were your ideas behind that? Was it about education for your clients, or were you seeing some gaps in knowledge in the marketplace that you thought a book could meet? Yeah, there's a lot of gaps in the knowledge in the in that area. If you just went to Google, how do you start a business? There is, you know, millions of pages on on the internet about that. You know, seventy one percent of information around business is all about starting a business. Twenty eight percent of all the information on Google is all about growing a business. But there's only one percent of the information available which works on exiting a business properly. Wow! So there's there's not much information out there. So. Well, we're looking to try and uh, deal with that with a deal room podcast as well. So we're all fighting the good fight here, I guess, right? <laughs> and this is the thing, and there are a lot of business owners who are searching for this information and they're not getting good advice or the advice that they are getting, they may, may, may not quite be ready for it. So what we unpacked was looking at what are the key questions that people are looking at now, and, and that's where the book came from. So the, for us, there are five main areas. So those five main areas are purpose. What's the purpose of your ability to run a business and what's the purpose? What do you want to go and do next? What's your, what's, you know, what's your why, if you like? And part of that is to look at, you know, when is the right time to sell a business, why you're selling it, why would someone buy it, who would buy it, how much do you need? So get that stuff sorted early. So if you know what your goals are, then it's easier to hit a target. You can't hit a target you don't see. So if you actually know what you need to actually sell your business for, that's going to give you a bit of an idea about, oh, okay, now I've got some clarity around my goals and, um, you know, it's going to help me in my direction. And what we also find out is that once people actually get very, very clear about what they need in their business to actually sell it, the business performs. It actually moves ahead. Sales increase, profitability increases, and the time that they actually take running the business decreases because they spend more time operating on trying to sell their business. So that's that's the first area is purpose. The second area is peak, and there's five P's. So purpose, peak, prime, promote, perform. So the second area is peak, and peak is take a peek at your business. What is your business worth? Um, who would value your business? Is it a valuer? Is it a broker? Is it your accountant? Is it sometimes what happens? A next door neighbor, you meet somebody at a party who's just sold their business. Oh, I've sold my business for, you know, whatever it is. Um, you should be able to get the same amount of money. And we really look at how would you actually value your business. And you go and talk to three accountants, you're going to get five different valuations. So you've really got to get educated and understand how your business will be valued. And so how do you suggest doing that then? You've, you've, you've talked about a number of avenues and, and there's certainly the all the different various avenues that I see business owners using in terms of valuing their business. What What's your conclusion on, um, you know, ultimate um, best ways for valuation of a business? Well, there's a valuation and there's an appraisal. So you can go and get a certified value at a value of the business and they're going to be looking at benchmark data and that sort of stuff. And so is a, a business broker or an appraiser. The first thing that we would suggest is actually go back and have a look at what's happening in your industry. So it's industry benchmarking is generally the best idea. 
and your accountant or a certified accountant or somebody who's actually very familiar in your industry and in your industry type is going to be the best person to actually help you give a, and they're not going to give you a dollar figure, they'll give you a range, right? So if you are, um, if you're in the landscaping business, you know, the person you go and talk to, your accountant or your value or your broker, have they sold other landscaping businesses? Um, or, you know, if I'm into the daycare area, do you do that? Now I've got a, uh, we've got a lead into a really good contact in financial planning. And they, all they do is focus on selling and buying financial planning practices and putting those things together. So if you're a financial planner, you'd go and talk to this guy. If you're a daycare center, you probably wouldn't go and talk to him. So you've got to find the right person in that industry. Effectively, you're saying, all right, well, let's find the industry specialists to help us with evaluation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's lots and lots of businesses for sale. Uh, you've just got to find the right person or the right people to advise you to get the right valuation for your business. Yeah. Great. Okay. All right. So that's peak. And then what what was um, next? I think you said prime. Yeah, prime. So purpose is understanding what you need for your business, what you want for your business. Peak is actually having a look at what your business is actually worth. Um, and if your the valuation comes in in line with your what you want, then it's great. You can actually miss step three. But if there's a gap, and typically there is, then we need to prime our business for sale. So priming your business for sale is really about rapidly increasing the value of your business to make sure that the valuation can increase, which is going to be in line with the amount of money that you want and the time as well, right? And the way we look at prime is putting on the buyer's hat. So not the vendor's hat, putting on the buyer's hat. The whole idea of the objective is to pacify the buyer. So pacify is a term that we've come up with. And pacify stands for profits, assets, cash flow, independence, and first impressions. So to pacify the buyer, the buyer's looking for the profits in your business. How do you make money? What's the model of your business? How does it make money from the, the day that first somebody knocks on the door? How do they knock on the door? All the way through to delivering the product or the service and the follow-up and the billing and invoicing and everything else down the back end. And is there actually profits in the business, in the profits in the product? And is this sustainable? So have you got three years of good financials? I was talking with a restaurant owner only this morning who came to us about 12 months ago and he said, oh, I think I might be selling my business in about five years' time. We said, okay, great. A year later, and he had some interesting figures. <laughs> he was taking a lot of money out of the business and we said, well, okay, let's not do that. Let's put it, inject it back into the business because no one's going to buy a business with, you know, profits taken out of the business. He's just run a year. He's had a record year. His sales have gone up a little bit, but his profits have increased threefold which, because we did some other things as well about, you know, stop, stopping some of the costs and that sort of stuff. So he's got another two years to go and he's going to be fine if he just keeps doing what he's doing. It's great. So that's about profits. I, and I think that's an interesting, this whole concept of prime, um, and, and I know we're just at the beginning of the detail of pro, this prime area and we'll continue um, with it. But I think it's worth saying that this area, you know, is something that a lot of people on this podcast talk about, the, the benefits of preparing a business for sale. But I see the practical issues um, of working with businesses in priming them for sale is often when business owners have decided they want to sell, they're the kind of people that 
want to get into it straight away. And it's very hard for them to stay emotionally connected whilst also looking down the barrel of, um, you know, putting themselves in the position as though their business is being sold. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's where we're a little bit different to everybody else and that our the main focus of what we do is help people pacify the buyers and help prime the business for sale. Whereas you've got, you know, yourselves and accountants and financial planners and business brokers, they're all in the moment. I want it to happen now. And it's all about compliance. What we say to the business owners, look, you can go and do that and that's great. And you may, you know, you might be lucky, you might get the one and a half times multiple that most business owners get. Or you can actually spend some time, get this thing into, into the right form, which is going to be more attractive to the buyer. Because the buyer is looking at, if I'm going to go and invest money, I want to know how this thing works. That's what I'm buying. I'm not buying the compliance. I'm not buying dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Yes, I know I have to do that, but what is it that I'm buying? I'm actually buying part of the pacifier. I'm buying the profits, right? So we do that. And then what we also need to look at is, is the A side, the assets. So there are tangible and intangible aspects to your business. Tangible assets, plant and equipment, what makes the thing work. But the intangible stuff is all the secret sauce. It's the points of difference. It's, you know, what's your staff levels? What And what are their roles? What's the performance? What's my marketing strategies? What works? What doesn't work? What's my sales process? Um, do I have some sort of installation secret or a hack that, that will be or production hack that's going to differentiate, you know, your business from somebody else? How do you do your pricing? How do you do your quoting? That's the stuff that we really want to know what works and what doesn't work and why. That's what I'm buying. And if you've got some good ideas around that and you can actually write them down in your secret source document, that's what's going to justify a higher um, multiple, if you like, when you, when you sell your business. Okay, so let's drill into this a little bit more. So so you're suggesting that the owner prepares a secret source document. <laughs> like, I, li- I like the name of this document. <laughs> and they're, they're actually in this document inputting all of this information sort of to underpin their justification for the value of the business. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that's that's what the people that's what an investor or a buyer is buying. You know, they're not just buying, you know, the address and the factory and, and whatever else it is and my staff. But like that's important too. We still need to have much sure. Have we got customer contracts? Have we got supplier contracts? Have we got employment engagement contracts and that sort of stuff too? Because I want to make sure that if I come in and buy your business today, this business is going to continue tomorrow for the next, you know, two to five years or whatever it is until I take it to the next level. That's really, really important. That alone is is that's where the where the multiple comes in. So we we work with a, a cafe owner. Um, he actually was a restaurant and he started a cafe just down the road, did really well. Um, time came to sell. The reason that he wanted to sell it was because he actually wanted he wanted to do more of the fine dining stuff rather than the cafe stuff. He realised that wasn't where his passion was. Um, the interesting thing is that we didn't sell it for one and a half times earnings. We actually sold it for six times. Wow. And how did you get that? Well, we got that because we sold it as a strategic sale to one of the employees of the business. They knew the skeletons in the closet. They knew the marketing, what worked, what didn't work, the, what the sales processes were, the pricing. They had all the suppliers lined up. We had contracts in place. They just bought it as one lump sum and they were over the moon. The purchaser was over the moon because they knew what was going on. 
and they took the business over. It was a very, you know, it didn't take long to actually um, dot the I's and cross the T's from all their compliance perspective. And, you know, the business ran, you know, full head of steam. And the vendor always happy because he could go back to his fine dining restaurant stuff, which he loved to do. He was very happy he got a six times multiple. <laughs> he did, but he had. But why is that? There was no secret. The secret was that he actually had all this stuff written down. But it, it, this didn't take two or three months to write down. He had to really he had to run a business and he had to get all this stuff in place, the systems and the processes that was going to help these people or help the new person come along. The other little thing that helped as well we, is we created a bit of competitive tension. So we had another prospective purchaser come along as well. And it only takes two people to put the price up. The employee really wanted it. And, you know, she got it. And so then let's, uh, the, so I, I presume in this instance um, you're talking about there was a secret source document as well um, driven out of the systems and processes that the business owner had had been building. Um, h- how long are these documents generally speaking, that you have your clients prepare? And how long does it take for them to put it together? Well, for, for this particular case, it wasn't that long because the employee worked in the business and she was actually on the floor, so she knew how this stuff worked. But she didn't have in place the agreements with um, the staff, like she didn't have um, contracts or performance management um, documents around that, nor did she have in place the contracts with the suppliers, so we had to work hard on that. What she also didn't have in place was her sales process because there was a lot of events that happened and she didn't know how that worked, so we had to map, the, map all that out. And we had percentages of successes at different bottlenecks in the, in the area and we also had to work show her um, the marketing that we'd done for the last 12 months, what worked, what, what didn't work and why. So it really depends on what's actually needed. If you get somebody from within, in, in, within the industry, they may know some of this stuff. If they don't, there's a completely separate set of books as well. So the answer to your question is it depends on what's actually required. But the, when you look at Pacify, so the last order, the, the I in Pacify is independence. So we know a business is worth more if the business owner is not there. If the business owner can delegate the delegate the, the tasks and then get out the gate and actually not be there. So if the business owner is independent of the organisation, then the business value is worth is worth a lot more. So part of this particular process with the cafe was to make sure, okay, can this business run without him? And at the end of the day was before he said, yep, it's ready to launch, he knew that he didn't have to be there at all. So that was that was the that the whole independence is really around systems and processes. So pacify, if you go back to the so PACC's um, cash flow. So making sure that debtors, creditors and inventory levels are right. Um, have you got a dashboard around that? Because I want to know if there's a cash gap. Do I, as an investor, have to bring working capital to the business? And how much is that if that's what needs to happen? And how do you find business owners are placed, um, you know, generally when they come to you in, in, in that area, in the sea, in the cash? When they start with us, they don't really know. And there are, you know, there are debtors owing and their creditors might have blown out a little bit and they say, Stuart, we've made some money but there's no money in the bank. And I walk into their into their business and you look at the shelves and you go, hmm, what are your stock terms like? <laughs> That's where your profit is. And so we do, we spend a bit of time getting that stuff sorted out and sometimes they don't, they don't actually have systems around um, their inventory. Well, what's all this stock doing here? Oh, it's dead stock. It's been here for a couple of years. 
So what's this stock over here? Well, that stuff didn't sell, so we had to go and buy more stuff, more stock and try and sell that. So we had to, you know, get some strategies, some sales and marketing strategies around putting that inventory levels down to a, to a, a, a reasonable level that someone would come in and go, yep, there's a clean set of, there's a clean set of books, there's some clean inventory, great stuff, there's no dead stock, we know the stock is moving through works, there's a thing called the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, 80% of your business comes from 20% of your products. What are those products? 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers. Who are those customers? Do your top customers buy your top-selling products? Typically, no. Okay, how do we drive that? So that's the sort of intelligence and the, the little tips and tricks that the, the investor wants to know about. You know? Well, we, we've got one customer in the, in the flooring business. He knows that his customers... Um, live within in two postcodes. Um, they're they're A class customers. They're females aged thirty five to forty five years of age. We know what school their kids go to. Not because we don't. We don't <laughs> actually know them, but we generally know where they are. So and so, you know, they don't do big broadcast marketing anymore. We've halved this marketing um, budget, but we're now being very clever about where we do the marketing and the sales have increased 28%. Yeah. And I mean, what you're talking about here makes a lot of sense, but I can I can feel the pain of some of the people who might be listening here in terms of thinking, wow, there's a lot to do. So, and I guess here, and this is what I was talking about earlier, about the, the difficulty sometimes in getting business owners across that line of slowing down the process. You know, they're coming in with a transaction mindset and here we are as advisors saying, well, hold on a moment. The business isn't ready. You could be getting a lot more out of this business. And us as lawyers looking at it and saying, okay, well, hold on, slow down. Your structure isn't great, you know, from a, ta- you know, look at not the we, um, you know, focus specifically on the tax side, but your structure isn't great in terms of what you're going to get out of the sale at the end of the day. You know, you're, you're, um, you haven't got your key contracts lined in. You've got, you know, these issues brewing that we need to deal with. And, you know, if you hit due diligence now, you're just going to whatever you've negotiated, you're going to get a buyer who's going to push down the price. So, you, you know, but it's still... A very difficult conversation to get business owners who have their mindset in a transaction already, uh, in a transaction state, to slow down and say, okay, we're going to take a big breath, take a step back, and we're going to review the business and put in all of this time and effort to build it up so that it's in the best sale ready state. So, what's the tips that you have for how you work, you know, your clients through that, um, I guess, that, that, process that mental process well i think it comes down to are they educated enough about how to sell a business and generally the answer is no because they're being reactive we go back to first principles what's the purpose why are you selling are you selling because you're tired yes why are you tired oh Stuart, look i'm working 100 hours a week in my business it's like right so who's going to buy a business where they've got to work 100 hours a week in your business <laughs> it's not really worth anything but what do you what do you need? Oh, I need X. Okay, so for somebody to actually go and pay that amount of money, what is it that we need to do to be able to have a business that effectively works on the management? So let's just take you out, put somebody in place. Um, we'll take you know some of the key other people out, put other people in place where the business can run without you. What's that mean? Oh, there's going to be a commercial wage. Okay, we're going to take some time to get those people up to speed. 
Okay, that's great. And just by having these conversations, by educating people about the process, because they're not used to it. They're used to selling their products and their services, but they've never sold a business before. They don't know the process. So when they come to us, we spend a lot of time just holding their hand saying, okay, where are you now? Where do you want to get to? And then try and build that bridge to get them there. Now, if they're hell-bent on selling their business today, great. You know, go and find someone to help you sell your business. Go for it. Like, we're not brokers. We don't do that. We believe there'd be a conflict if we were trying to set the business up for sale and be a broker. Um, but we do utilise a number of brokers that actually help those people who just want a quick sale. Just sort of, you know, don't. If you want to go, just go. And it's usually because they're, they're burnt out, number one. They can't work another day in their life or they're sick. There's something going on. And that becomes a reactive force to sale. And we know that 84% of businesses don't sell. 84% of businesses that are listed for sale don't sell. They're not set up for sale. They're not worth anything. And, in fact, only last week I sat with a client and we worked out, we mapped out how much he was making per hour and how much his employees were making an hour. And he's in, he was paying his employees more than he was making himself. Wow. Yeah, that's a figure that's got to hurt. <laughs> it does. But what he also realised was that, okay, what is it that we need to do to change that around? And then we build a roadmap to, to get there. And he just knows that this is a marathon. Like just because you want your business selling and you're only, you're only 10 metres into the race. Now, this is a 42K run. This is going to take a long time. And, you know, every professional that I've spoken to in this business exit space all say the same thing. They don't know what their business is worth and they don't realise it takes a lot longer than what it should. And it's like, okay, that's that's what it is. Oh, but I've heard so-and-so sold their business like, you know, within three months. Okay, great. And that, that happens, but it happens a very small percentage of the time. So they're prepared to go into the long run. Um, and, you know, part of that, and that comes down to the, you know, you've got to work on your business as well as work on selling your business. And there aren't too many business owners out there now sitting on their hands with nothing to do. They're actually actively working in their business. But then go and sell their business does take a bit of time. But if, if you want to do everything in three months, you're going to miss something. If you give yourself a good couple of years, then you're actually going to be better. And what we also know is that most good businesses get bought. They don't get sold. So if you're in that environment where you're actually building your business up for sale, someone's going to come along and have a look at it before you're actually ready for it. And there's been countless of our clients who have been building their business up, getting their secret source, getting their book sorted, where somebody's come in and said, I want to buy your business, and we've turned around and said, you know what? No, we're not ready for sale. And so what does that do to the price? Price goes up. And what happens, and we've been in some situations where the business owner turns around and says, no, I'm not ready for sale. When it is ready for sale, they turn around and go, actually, I've got a business, better business now than what I had in the first place. I don't want to sell. All right. So all of a sudden now they are controlling the business rather than the business controlling them. Mm-hmm. And so and can I um, drill into this statistic you talked about a little bit more, this 84% of businesses don't sell. What, where does this come from and what businesses are we talking about here? Yeah, so there's, there's different studies that have come up out globally. Um, in Australia, it's really hard to get the stats. In fact, I was only talking with a broker yesterday and saying to him, you know, these are the figures that we looked at. He went, oh, that's, that's an interesting figure. We've heard, you know, 67%. We've heard 80%. Yeah. Um, so there was a study done in the US. 
um, that's higher, that figure's higher. There was, and, but we, the, the, the reality is most businesses are listed for sale don't sell, whether it's 70%, 80%, 67%. We know as a fact most businesses listed for sale don't sell. They're not ready for sale. They're not making a profit. Look, one of the things we find a lot is businesses will come to us and say, oh, look, I made, you know, whatever, $200,000 last year. Okay, great. What did you pay yourself? Oh, no, that's what I paid myself. Okay, so your business actually is not worth anything because you didn't make any money. That's the thing. They're not paying themselves a commercial wage or they've got its mum and dad in the business and they've got a, you know, $5 million business and they've pulled, you know, five or $600,000 out of it. Okay, great. That's good. Well, what did you pay yourself? What did you pay the other shareholders? Oh, well, we didn't pay ourselves commercial wages. Or they go and sell the business and the business has got a lot of debt associated with it too, so who's going to pay for that? Or they've got employees which, you know, they've got long service leave and holiday pay and all that sort of stuff. So where does that happen? Where does that actually fit into the business? So a lot of it's about, you know, we don't really understand what my financials are, what my figures are. And we hear all the time, how much are you going to sell your business for? Oh, it's either one million or five million. Really? Where'd that come from? I don't know. <laughs> just a good round figure. But it happens. And it's like, okay, go and substantiate it. Go and find out why that's worth that five million dollars. And it goes back to that cafe we mentioned before. You know, a reasonable running cafe can probably sell for one and a half, whatever it is, right? We got six. Why? Because they just knew what was going on. You know, they didn't have any debt associated, with, uh, debt associated with it. And if that business owner wanted to sell that particular business without any of the secret sauce, he, he would have got the one and a half to two, whatever it was, right? But because he spent that time developing up his secret sauce stuff, he managed to get more. And how long did he spend developing the secret sauce stuff? Well, for him, it was less than, well, it was less than 12 months. It was about nine Right. Months. Okay. All right. Well, that's, you know, that's not too long a period for a business owner to hold on if they think they could increase, you know, their multiple from a 1.5 to a 6, you know, there's uh, a lot of good reason to hold on for that period of time. Yeah. And the reason why is because he already had a lot of that stuff anyway. He had both businesses effectively running without him so he could spend you know, four out of the five days working out what was actually, why was his business ticking along so nicely, what was going on, and he was still testing and measuring his market. You know, for him, um, an interesting story, I said, oh, where do you spend most of your marketing dollars? He said, oh, I don't know, where do you get, where do you get most of your leads from? He said, oh, probably about 50% of my leads from TV advertising, Stuart. And I said, oh, great, where do you spend most of your money? Oh, 50% of my money I spent on marketing, I spent on TV. So, well, how do you actually know? He said, well, because I spend 50% of my money on TV, that's where I think I'll get most of my customers. <laughs> so the next question was, can we go and measure it for the next three to four weeks? So everybody who came in, rang up, made an inquiry, let's find out where they found us from. And we went back and we actually tested and measured this and came back to the table and I said, so where do most, like where does, um, what impact does TV have on your business? I said, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> I said, I know, but you're going to. I'm ready to be your friend. I'm here to help you. And he said, 3%. 3%. Oh, no. Really? And I said, that's fantastic. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, mate, we have just saved you so much money, number one. <laughs> number two, we worked out where his leads were coming from, and that went into his secret sauce. 
Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's a really good example of uh, working out where you can pull costs. Absolutely. Well, it's about it's about investing, and I think this is the thing. You know, marketing is math. You, you, you don't go and spend a dollar unless you know if you can measure that where that dollar's been, where, where you're getting it from, right? And, you know, people say, you know, I can only work out what 50% is because I only know what, you know, what I spend. And, but actually, go back. They actually don't know how much they spend their money on from a marketing perspective. They don't know the sales process. And other people go, well, look, you know, if I just did more marketing, I'll have a bigger business. We turn around and say, well, what are your conversion rate strategies? How do you onboard your new clients? Where do you get them from? How do you how do you address them and treat them all the way through from an inquiry to a sale? If you got better at selling, and selling is just helping people buy, it's all it is. If you got better at selling, you wouldn't need to spend any more money on marketing. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in everything that you're talking about here, you know, it's quite clear that someone who's coming in to buy a business, when they're looking at two similar types of businesses side by side, I, I guess, you know, maybe even making the same returns, the business that has got a clear template of how they are doing it, you know, versus the other business is going, is obviously going to have a higher value, you know, because it's far more a dependable asset, I guess, in terms of a business owner feeling that they can come in and, you know, continue or improve, um, you, you know, the, the the way it's running. And, and that's important too. So from the, the fourth P is promote. So what we need to understand is you've got to set the business up for sale in the right area. So when we go back to purpose and say who do we want to sell the business to, part of that is identifying it might be a competitor or a you know, somebody else like a supplier who wants to buy that business and we set it up. So what is it that they want? Do they want our customers? Do they want our products? Do they want our systems? And therefore, we set the business up to really drive that. We had a, a, a client of ours who um, was a wholesaler and we had two, two major uh, wholesalers who were basically our competitors. We went to, we analysed both of these major competitors. We worked out what they were great at and what they were weak at. And so we then went into um, a niche area about what where they were weak at. We also um, looked at our client base and we um, reselected our clients. So we really focused on our A-class clients. And our Bs and C-class clients, they actually went to our competitors, which overloaded them and therefore our competitors were losing sales, losing their A-class customers because their A-class customers weren't getting the service that they wanted. And where did those A-class customers come to? They came to us. Wow. So one of our competitors, so our competitor wanted our customers and our products. And that took, that process took about 20 months to work through. And we got a knock on the door. And they said, one of them came to us and said, we want to buy you. And we said, yep, that's fine. And we worked out a figure. And because it was a fairly significant organisation who were buying us, their due diligence took a long time, at which point or over which period of time, our profits continued to increase. And they paid a higher amount of money based on a similar multiple because we had greater profits. Well, that's almost unheard of, right? After DD, the buyer is paying more rather than less. I love it. Yeah, because we already worked out what the what the deal was. It was the deal was based on a on a profitability ratio, and our profits went through the roof. So that's what happened. And it was interesting because the CEO came to us and said, 
we should have bought that. We should have given you that check nine months ago. You cost us a lot of money. It's like, whatever, that's fine. <laughs> that was a good outcome. I love it. That's a really good story. That's a great story. It's it's a very unusual <laughs> from that's what, we do. what I we are, see. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I guess that's why, you know, we are a little bit different. We, you know, we 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 enjoy taking people through a journey and, and helping them achieve, you know, their lifelong goals so they can go and do other things. Yeah, yeah. That's a it's a nice way to put it as well, right? Um, and so so we've we've done promote. So the last one, I guess, is perform. Is that right? Well, we, yeah, it is perform, and perform is about okay. So I know what I'm doing. I know what my business is worth. My prime, my prime of business. I've pacified my buyers. I've promoted it the right way. I know who, like the strategic sale, is something that we really focus on. The last one is perform, and we've sort of touched on it. And it's really about how you're going to manage to run your business and also run the sale at the same time. You know, we. So that's one area. We've got to make sure you've got the resources and, and procedures to do that as well. We also know that as emotion goes up, intelligence goes down. So if you set a figure and um, you get all tied up in that particular figure or it gets down to the nitty-gritty and, you know, their accountant's not playing ball or something's going on or, you know, you take offence, then, you know, you're quite likely to go, look, that's enough, I'm going to walk away from the deal. And what we say is, no, 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 stick to your gun, stick to your number, keep calm, and a little bit of humility goes a long way in those deals. And it's like we've seen deals fall over at the 11th hour time and time again. Why? Because either the vendor or the purchaser just gets out of sorts a little bit. And it's really important to have somebody on your side, in your corner, to go, no, no, it's fine. You've got to give a little, you'll get a little. You've got to give a little, you've got to get a little. It's okay. It's going to take, it's going to take a bit of time, but we'll get there. And, hey, at the moment, we're still making some profit, so it's going okay. It's fine. Like again, it's a marathon. I think I think you're absolutely you're absolutely right. I um I, I completely agree with you. I've seen this happen an amazingly high number of times when you're just at you know the point or at that finish line. We can all see it, it's in sight. Just the small, well, you know, and and to the people involved, it's not the smallest things. But we get to a point where there's you know gridlock we can't make it through um and you know it really takes the advisors to be to understand the emotions that are at play I, I think as well to make sure you can talk both parties down into a more sensible um view at less emotional view of the transaction um and, and because these are big transactions because particularly as you say that the sorts of uh, business owners you're talking about um, in in these scenarios we're going through are business owners who are either retiring or going on to something completely new it's a massive change for them so that can often be that reality can almost hit sometimes hit right at the end finishing line as well so we have all these things to grapple with yeah yeah and you're absolutely right and one of the things that we do is we then go full circle okay so you're feeling a bit upset, someone's upset you, whatever it is. Go back to the first peak purpose. Why is it that you're selling? What do you want to do next? And it's not doing the trophy stuff. You know, it's not, you know, playing golf in every golf course around the world or going on a cruise or, you know, doing a couple of laps of Australia or Europe or the US. It's okay, go and do all that stuff. Then what are you going to do? Oh, I really want to do, I really want to give back. It's like, okay, so how does that look? Or I really want to go and build a new business or buy a new business or I want to go and spend more time with my, my grandkids or take them on and do something with them. 
right? You know, today we don't usually retire. You know, you don't really sit around with, on your hands doing nothing. What's the big picture? And when we go back to that first principle, that first P, purpose, and keep that as your goal, your target, this is just the this is just one of the things that tick the boxes on the way to get to that big target. And that's where we just keep going back to that. And that's why purpose is number one. Work out what your target is. Work out where you want to be, what you want to do, who you want to do it with. That's the thing you want to get. This is just a transaction. It'll happen. Just make it happen. I absolutely um, have really enjoyed our discussion today, Stuart. I think it's, um, it, it's you know, a, a lot of our listening audience um, um, among business owners are also uh, accountants and, uh, you know, brokers and M&A advisors. I think a lot of the things that we've talking about, we've talked about here today are incredibly important for all advisors who are engaged in the process to be aware of, just like the business owners, the importance of uh, not just being reactive perhaps to the issues that our clients are coming to us with. So our clients are coming and saying, I've had it with this business, I want out because I want to go and do whatever it is that's the, the next thing or retire. And and I think the, um, the whole theme of what we've been talking about today is slow down, step back and make sure your business really is ready because in putting that time and effort in, before the sale, you'll reap, you know, a massive return on your investment of time. If only you can slow down, step back and take these, these um, I, I guess, practical applications of working out your purpose, looking at the value of the business, priming the business for sale, promoting it correctly and uh, performing, which I think that last one was uh, running your business role, readying it for sale and that that in itself sounds, <laughs> you know, like like the the um, the issue that our business owners have to get their mind um, across. But you've really demonstrated well, Stuart, the benefit if um, if, if they can just step back and do that. Yeah, good. I mean, that's and that's hopefully it's been helpful because you know there is it does take a little bit of time. It usually takes a bit more time than what people think. But you know. You speak to any advisor in this space and they always say just, you know, it's going to take longer than what you think. So just slow down to speed up and you will get the return. You will get the rewards from all those years of hard work if you just do it the right way and get good people around you. Yeah, well, and we wholeheartedly agree with that one as well. And, you you know, and I think the other element um, is... As you said, when you're looking at valuation, making sure you're dealing with people who have dealt in, you know, in this type of transaction in your industry. And I think also when appointing advisors, once again, it's about appointing advisors who understand what they're doing in this space. Um, so, all right. So, we've got your business, small, uh, sorry, we've got your book, Small Business, Big Exit, How to Make More Money selling your business than running it. So, Stuart, how do our listeners get a copy of that and how do they get in contact with you? Look, they can get in contact with me through LinkedIn. On, on, I'm on LinkedIn if they want to jump through that. Um, alternatively, if they do want a copy of the book, um, just send me an email and I'll make sure that they get one. So my email address is stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, stuart at bigexit.com.au. And um, just happy for any of your listeners, Joanna, to uh, look at it. Send them through the book. 
Great. Okay. And we'll put some links to all of that in the show notes as well. So if you're um, at the gym, driving along, taking the dog for a walk, don't worry. Just uh, when, when you finish, you could just click through uh, to our show notes and you'll get all of those links through to Stuart um, and to get a copy of his book. Stuart, who... Um, wh- where do your clients normally come in from? I mean, is is this the sort of thing you talk to accountants about because they're out there identifying businesses that really need this sort of help? Yeah, sometimes accountants will refer to us. One of the financial planners will refer to us as well because typically a business owner is talking to a financial planner about transitioning to retirement. Part of that is going to be, okay, what are you going to do with your, with your business? Um, we get brokers actually giving us a call as well saying, listen, I've got a business. Look, we believe there's something there. It's not quite ready for sale. Can you help them? And it's like, yep, absolutely. Let's sit down and have a chat with them. You know, what What a big step for a broker to make because, of course, at that point they're staring down the barrel of a, you know, a, a, a transaction that they can be involved in, but they make the call in the client's best interest and probably in their best interest in the future as well, you know, in cultivating the right relationships with their clients to tell their clients to slow down and um, build up the business first before they put it to market. And we've got some great relationships with some fantastic brokers where they see the value in helping a business get ready for sale because in their eyes, they just want a quick sale. And a quick sale is going to happen when the business is ready for sale. But if the business is not ready for sale, they're going to struggle. The owners are going to struggle. The broker's going to struggle. Yes, they want the listing. Sure, they can list it. But if, if there's not much to sell, then they're not going to get a result. So it, it takes them less time in the end because there's somebody else out there helping the business owner, making sure it's a viable enterprise and it's giving the, the vendor um, a lot more um, as an asset to sell, um, but it's also giving the buyer something better to buy as well. Yeah, it's a really good point. It's a really good point. Okay. Well, look, Stuart, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I think it will be really valuable to our listeners. As I said, check out our show notes if you want link through to Stuart and grab yourself a copy of the book. Um, And uh, thanks for your time, Stuart. We've enjoyed having you on The Deal Room. Thanks, Joanna. It's been great being here. Thanks very much. Had a lot of fun. Well, that concludes our episode with Stuart Goodfellow, where we ran through his five-step process to preparing a business for sale. These are steps from his book, Small Business, Big Exit, How to Make More Money Selling Your Business Than Running It. So as a quick recap, which is just as relevant for advisors out there to get a recap on it, as well as business owners themselves, those five steps are, number one, the owners being clear about their purpose, their why power. So part of this is identifying why the owners are selling and how much they need out of the sale. Having clarity around goals helps a seller to have direction, but it also might create a situation where it becomes apparent that the best outcome for the seller might be to pause, work on the business, building it for sale for a while, and then come back to market. Now, obviously, that can cause issues sometimes if you're an advisor that's remunerated at sale. But in many instances, dealing with a seller who has a business that isn't ready for sale and who has loft requirements from the sale that don't match the likely response from the market is doomed to waste you and them time. So I think it's really important to ensure that 
everyone is clear about the seller's purpose and about whether or not this can be met by a sale in the current market environment. So step two is getting serious about working out the present business value. And this really needs to be done by finding industry specialists to help work on a valuation that correctly reflects the industry and the market in that time. Also about understanding what the value of a business might be if the business owner was to pause, step back and take time to build the value of the business. So step three is all about that priming of the business for sale. This is filling in the gap between the first step, the purpose of the seller, and the second step, what the owner is actually sitting on in terms of the realistic market value at this point. So priming can take time and it really requires work on rapidly increasing the value of a business by putting on the buyer's hat and working at it from a buyer's perspective to then create a situation in which the sale is much easier and much more likely to yield the results that the sellers are after. Step four is promotion, which involves understanding the market in relation to competitors and the industry as a whole, knowing the business's strengths and making sure the business is set up to really communicate that in the marketing strategy. And finally, step five that we covered was perform, which is really about making sure someone has a keen eye on how the business will be managed to continue increasing or at least maintaining, but ideally increasing profit and performance during the sale process. Right, well, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this discussion just as much as I did. If you are not already subscribed to The Deal Room, then please go ahead to iTunes or your favourite podcast player and subscribe to The Deal Room podcast in order to get notifications straight to your phone whenever a new episode is out. We'd also love to hear your feedback, so please leave us a review and rating. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening in. This has been Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au Ladies and gentlemen That will conclude this evening's entertainment Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au Deal Room Podcast